Hello, hello, it's Julie, the Duchess of Muchness, back here with another episode of You're in Charge. And I have a lot to talk about this time. Uh, it's been several months since I've posted, uh, not since I've recorded. I have been recording and recording and recording and recording and recording again and re-recording and I can't even get into all the reasons that this hasn't happened. So um, here I am, back at it. And haven't forgotten about you, haven't forgotten about anything, but God love you for reaching out. I've had a couple people reach out and say, hey, where you been? What's going on? And um, they did it in a couple of days, uh, both within a couple of days of each other. This was a few weeks ago. And um, they had no idea that they don't even know each other. But Gina, thank you very much for reaching out. And Tim, you too. I'm really grateful um, and honestly flattered and humbled that you were looking for my podcast. That's pretty cool. So, um, yeah, today, today I'm talking about a whole bunch of things, but, um, primarily same thing that I've been talking about, but you guys haven't heard yet is, uh, grief and grief release. I have been on a deep dive doing my own grief release what does that mean? Um, first off, grief. Everybody thinks of grief in pretty much one way. That's the loss, the death of a loved one, be it a human being or a pet. doesn't matter. Um, it's, or an animal, you know, of some sort. Um, it doesn't matter. That's how they see grief, how most people see grief. And that is one avenue of grief. The other less known layers of grief are just loss in general. Loss of time, loss of a relationship, loss of a dream, loss of a job. Um, you can grieve into the future, anticipatory grief, because you can imagine it. Our minds are really, really powerful. And anything that they can think of can create an emotion. So thought creates emotion, but also emotion creates thought. It's not hard and fast that it's one way or the other. But in terms of grief, we can be grieving the loss of a friendship. We can be grieving the loss of, um, like I said, a job or a marriage. Um, and people think, they can push this stuff away and say, oh, no, no, I'm not supposed to feel this way about it. It was only a job. It was only a this. And, and some people might put a time frame on it and say, well, I got divorced a long time ago. I should be done grieving. Or the friendship was over a long time ago and here's your time frame. You know, I'm only allowed to grieve for this amount of time. And that's not the truth either. But what happens when we're grieving in, or we don't grieve actually, um, is that the grief gets stuck inside of us and it gets embedded in our cells and we need to get it out. And sometimes it, it comes out, but not 
when we want it to because we've been pushing it down so long. It's it's like pushing a beach ball under under the water. It's you can only hold it down for so long before it pops and comes right on up. And it might not be at an appropriate time um, because typically it's going to come up when we're spread thin. And a friend of mine had um, one of those moments the other day where single mom working too much uh, or not, or just working the job plus working at home with raising teenagers and trying to do all the things that are demanded in this society. So she was doing that and then was thrown into a social situation of unfriendlies and she thought it was one thing. She thought she was dealing with the unfriendlies and just being uncomfortable with how that all played out. And then the more we tossed it around and teased it out, the more awareness came that she was being triggered. And as soon as you're triggered, it's immediately pointing to an original wound. And that wound is typically something like abandonment or worthlessness. Um, I'm unlovable. Those are the, the three main ones. So those are created when we're children and they don't necessarily have to be rational um, because they can get created quite by accident. Uh, but I don't really want to get into how those are created so much as up pop the grief anyway. And so what do you do when that pops up? Well, at this point, she was spread so thin it could crop up and she was in a space that she was able to sit with it and I was able to hold the space for her and just allow her to grieve and then work through it, sort of. Because what happens is we quickly, after we cry, and it might be, or scream or yell or do whatever we need to in order to process the grief, something else comes up right after that. And that's our ego and saboteur typically saying, okay, enough of that, done. And you might not be done, but also there's the desire to logic it away and make sense of it and make it seem okay that this just happened, that Oh, okay, well, I grieved that, and now I'm done, and, you know, tidy it up, put a little bow on it, and shove it in the drawer, and we're done. No. Um, it gets lodged in our cells. So you might be grieving that ins instance, but you haven't moved it through. So, so what I've been doing over the last few months is the deep dive of the grief and exercising it out, quite literally sometimes. Taking it, allowing it to bubble up, and then moving it, changing it, alchemizing it. And taking the, the thought, the belief, the story, the history, the, all of it, allowing it to be there, giving myself permission to 
have it there and then seeing what to do now. Not with it per se, because there really isn't anything to do with it, but you've got to change the energy. So in changing the energy, we've talked about the cleaning. You can clean something, you can fix something, you can organize something, sell something, create something, upcycle something, uh, recycle something, like create using art, write about it. Um, you can uh, create an actual work of art, make something new out of something old. There's a million ways you can do it. And none of them are wrong. It's whatever occurs to you as something to do. So moving it through. So what was happening as I was helping my friend through this process is I was sitting quietly for her to just have her experience. And an image of a tree came to mind. And in the tree's roots, I could see Greece. Because one of the things that I keep saying as I discuss with a few people what I've, my process has been with the grief release, it comes out grease release. Or um, what, what was the other one? Grief release, grease release. I don't know. Anyway, it, um, I keep fumbling the words. So I saw the grease in the base of these roots in this vision in my head. And as she was sitting there, and crying, I, I told her to imagine the grease there in the roots and then being brought up, traveling up the roots and up the trunk of the tree, her being the tree, and then out into the branches and out into the leaves. And then the leaves drop off into the soil, disintegrate and turn into light and then pour through the soil and then back up through the roots. So now there's light coming into the roots, not the grief, the grease and the grief. And I told her to keep doing this cycle until the grease was fully out of the roots and out of the tree. And the whole process took about, you know, 15 or 20 minutes with me holding the space. And now if you're on your own doing this, it can take a little while longer and might be shorter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter about the time frame. But she came out of it and she said, that felt really good. Like I should do that every day. And every day might be a bit much, but if you're consciously trying to release the grief, it could be good for a few weeks, maybe a few months to do it a couple of times a week and see what comes up and see how you start feeling. Because as I've done this, things have been changing in me. My muscles have become more limber. Uh, <clears throat> I don't hold as much tension in my calves or my jaw. Um, I've, I've had TMJ for 30 years from stress, from grinding my teeth at night. And it's caused me a great amount of issues, putting my neck and back out, causing headaches, um, then back aches and I mean, it, anybody who's got TMJ knows it's, it's hard. Uh, and for those who don't know what TMJ is, it's, um, 
it's a jaw disorder where the joint in your jaw is out of place. The little disc between your jaw joints slips out of place. And um, I've noticed that my jaw is more relaxed anyway. And it's all very interesting. And I'm, there's more creativity. There, things are flowing in that. Um, I've also noticed a decrease in my um, desire for junk foods, sugars, carbs, all of that. And this has just happened just from working with the grief. So where does that bring me? Well, that brings me to me talking to you right now because that's kind of what's been happening. So with a very heavy heart, I had to let go of one of my beloved pets yesterday. And I'm at peace with her going. She was in a bad place um, health-wise. And, um, but she was 13 and, and, um, it's hard, it's hard to let go of that. And so I'm feeling one of the most aware losses, death. And in doing that, um, this is my creation, my podcast, talking, uh, moving my work forward. And so... I'm here for that, for myself, but also to give back and hopefully allow you to be served by my process and what's happening for me. So that's all been well and good, sort of, you know, as good as it can get. But it is interesting because if I hadn't been doing the deep dive before, I don't know that I'd feel as centered as I do around this. It doesn't mean that I'm happy, not happy. I'm definitely very sad and um, it'll catch me off guard. You know, as my other dog walks through and things are very silent. Um, You'd think that still having a dog here, it wouldn't be, but it is. So that'll catch me off guard and I'll be sad. But um, like I said, I'm centered. I, I know this isn't going to be forever that I'm going to feel sad, but I am now and it'll, it'll get better. And, um, somebody had explained pain to me a long time ago. I don't, I can't remember where I heard this, but it was like, um, the description was pain is like a button in a box meaning like a press me type of button. And that button is really big. And there's like a marble jostling around in that box. And anytime that marble hits that button, boom, the pain is right there. And you're reminded of it very quickly. And when we're in grief, that button is really big. But over time, that button becomes smaller. Might not disappear, but it just becomes smaller and it doesn't get hit quite as often by that marble bouncing around in the box. And I thought that that was, that was as good of a description as I've heard of pain. 
And something that has also been occurring to me is the people that surround us as we deal with pain or as a result of the pain. It like, it did those people cause the grief? And I don't mean that literally, you know, um, well, yeah, yeah, no, it can be literal. It can be quite literal. And so this other image was coming to me that was kind of weird, but flow with me in this one for, for a minute. Um, again, I, I heard, oh, I think it was a meme that I'd seen a while back and I'll paraphrase it, but it was, uh, before you consider yourself anxious or depressed, make sure you're not surrounded by assholes. And it makes me laugh because, wow, is that true? But here's the thing that, that I've been playing off of with that, which is I didn't realize I was surrounded by assholes because <laughs> if you're surrounded by assholes, you become nose blind to the smell of shit. And you don't know that you are constantly smelling shit until you get a breath of fresh air. And then you might look at that breath of fresh air as the threat. And you might be like, well, wait a second. That it was, that's not how things smell. That's not how it goes. That's not what that's supposed to be. This, all these people, all this stuff, this smell, that's what's normal. And what if you were born into that? Not that I was, just saying, other people can be. And <laughs> so this was the image that was coming to me. It was the image of a fiberglass sweater. Now, everybody knows they've had the sweater on at some point in their life where there's that loose thread and you pull it and like, whoosh, the whole thing starts to unravel. Well, I think we're all wearing fiberglass sweaters and they've been knit by some assholes and we get used to them and we think, okay, yep, we're warm, we're comfortable because we're warm. Well, yes, fiberglass is an insulation. It would make you warm and also cut you at the same time because that insulation is made out of tiny glass fibers. So here you've knit yourself this fiberglass sweater and you, you've been in it and comfortable because the people in your life have said, that's what's comfortable. And they put up with it, so you should put up with it. And herein lies some of the fibrousness of living amongst assholes. And all you really need to do is pull one thread off of that sweater before it wholeheartedly starts to unravel in front of you, which is a great thing, except that that's your comfort. And that's where you've been conditioned 
to feel comfortable. So you're sitting in that pain, you're sitting in that discomfort because somebody else was sitting in that discomfort. Somebody else had a drawer full of those sweaters and that's all they've ever known in their life. And you shouldn't get to wear a nice cotton sweater, just the fiberglass ones, that's how that goes. So imagine that you pulled that thread. How did it get pulled at first? What is it? Here's the trick. What pulls that thread, what starts that fiberglass sweater from being unraveled is truth, not their truth, your truth. The thing that says, I'm uncomfortable in this sweater. I'm not happy here. I've been trying to be happy here and things aren't working out. Well, how do you know if you're not happy? How do you know that where that discomfort is originating from? What's not in alignment? And this is what I caught myself doing. I saw this a while ago in outside of myself. I've been, um, I've been the victim of some massive narcissistic abuse in my life. And so I had to figure out, oh, I was surrounded by assholes. That's what was happening. But I didn't know it while I was in it. I just knew something didn't feel right. And so I left the situation, left the relationships. There have been multiple of them. And in one of them, it quite literally took me a year and a half away from that person to figure out that it wasn't me. I mean, yes, it was because in any relationship, there's two people and you have to be responsible for your end of it. And it was, but in this particular case, I was sold a bill of goods. Here it is. I was told one thing and then the actions were directly in opposition to the words directly in opposition, but I didn't recognize it because the words were so enticing. They were so great. And I wanted to believe those words. I really, truly wanted to believe those words because those were my words as well. Those were my thoughts, my beliefs. Yes, that's, that's what I want. And yet I didn't actually have that thing, that design in the relationship. And I don't mean a thing. I mean, just the relationship itself. So here, this is the words, these are the words, and, and then, no, that's not what's going on. So I knew something didn't feel right. So catch me years later, looking back on the whole thing, and I went, oh my God, that's it. The words and the actions need to be in alignment. You cannot listen to the words. You have to listen to the actions. So just like when you're watching a movie and you don't have the sound on the movie, you don't realize that without that soundtrack, without that music playing, you don't necessarily feel the way that they want you to feel. 
So if it's a horror movie, it's like the shocking, trembling, da-da-da type of dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. And like you can feel the anticipation because of the music, because of the sound. And you know, oh, I'm supposed to be scared here. Oh, my God. Does, he, does she know that he's right behind the door? God, don't go back there. No. You feel it. You know it because of the soundtrack. Or, oh, lovely. Oh, sing-songy, happy baby born. Yay. <laughs> or, oh, they're getting married. Lovely, lovely. You hear the sound and you know what you're supposed to feel. But if you turn the sound off and then watch the movie without the sound, you don't necessarily feel the same. So turn the sound off in your relationships and listen, watch the actions and see what arises then. That's how your clarity comes in. But this is what I caught a couple of weeks ago. What happens inside of your own head? Because we have been conditioned by our circumstances, by our surroundings, by other people's beliefs, by all this stuff, be it family or community or society at large, the nation, we are conditioned. And some of those conditions don't, aren't what we agree with in our, inside of ourselves. It's not our own truth. But we have thoughts on those conditions. So you have to catch your own words and your own actions. So if you believe a certain something or other, you have to make sure that your actions are in line with that. You've got to make sure like, oh, well, I believe that, I, don't, I mean, I don't, even, I don't even know, like, I'm supposed to make my own money. Well, are you? No. Oh, but you said you are. You said that's what you believe. So why aren't you doing that? Go do that. Or you believe you're a people person, but maybe an extrovert, but you stay at home all the time. Okay, maybe you're not as extroverted as you thought. Uh, what else? You know, catch, catch your thoughts. And that's, that tends to be harder. It, I really, I truly believe it's very hard to catch ourselves in our own thoughts, which is why focusing on the actions is beneficial, helpful. So... Where are we at? We've got Grease Release, AKA Grief Release. We also have, with, through the tree, through the roots, we've got the fiberglass sweater and unraveling it with our truth. So how do you unravel it? You ask the question of what is the one burning question that comes up to you? Quick, boom, right there, that question. Ask it of yourself. Or ask it of whoever is in your vicinity that maybe things aren't agreeable. Maybe you're feeling a bit more like that fiberglass sweater is on. And so ask the burning question because that burning question is your truth. You want to know. You want to have an answer to that question. So ask it. 
And yeah, here's the catch with that fiberglass sweater. It comes unraveled and it might be completely unraveled, but you're going to be without that sweater, which is going to make you feel naked, vulnerable, exposed. But here's another catch that doesn't mean that you're weak. It actually means you're strong because unraveling that sweater is one of the bravest things anybody can do. Being vulnerable is the most courageous thing a human being can do. We're being ourselves. We're being honest with who we are. We're not wearing the mask. We're not wearing the fiberglass sweater. But then you get to decide how you want to be. I haven't gotten to the to a further metaphor for what comes after the fiberglass sweater, but it might be a nice, warm, sunny field, bugless field, because this is, this is our imagination. So I don't want bugs in my, my metaphorical imagination here. I'm picturing warm, sunny day. So if you don't, you don't need the sweater, but your atmosphere, your own environment, wide open meadow, I don't know, a lake, an ocean, whatever, what, a mountaintop, whatever comes to you, but wide open and free and available to you. So maybe that's, maybe that's where you go after you unravel your sweater. And be gentle with yourself around the timing that it takes to unravel the sweater or have the grease release have it all but that's where we're at that's where I'm at anyway and I think that's I think that's a wrap I think for now I'm going to hand it back to you and say you're in charge thanks for sticking with me